Hello and welcome to episode one of Sky Dome Sit Down. My name is Jacob. I am joined by Zane Bartlett, and we are happy to finally be doing this and to talk some baseball, to talk some Blue Jays. Oh yeah, uh, I've been definitely wanting to do a podcast for a while. I've been wanting to talk about baseball for a while, and I'm definitely very excited to get going here. For sure. So we got a few topics that we're going to talk about. Just kind of ease into it a little bit here for this first episode. Uh, we want to start with what happened here, well, at the time of this being released last night. Uh, and we're not going to talk about the Blue Jays' loss to the Washington Nationals. It, those games happen. Uh, but importantly, George Springer finally making his long-awaited Blue Jays' debut. And, I mean, there's not a whole lot to talk about, right? There, it, you've got a player with one game. It's too small a sample size to really do anything about but I thought he looked good at the plate. He drove the ball well, had a few line outs that, I mean, hey, there's nothing you can do about that. You're hitting the ball hard. And I think easing him in as a DH here, getting him some playing time, getting him some at-bats is going to be a good thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm hoping that uh, hopefully George uh, George Springer sliding back into the lineup, hopefully um, it allows the offense to kind of get going a little bit. Um, that's really what I'm hoping. I'm I'm glad to see that uh, their lineup is looking a little bit more complete now that they have uh, their biggest free agent acquisition in franchise history making his debut for the Jays. Abso- absolutely. And last night, I should say. We're, we're going to talk more about the offense a little bit later. I do think having him at the top of the order there is going to help. Uh, they were tried Simeon there for far too long, and honestly, Simeon's been better since they dropped him. But, yeah, I mean, Springer, you know, is a guy that you can trust at the top of the order. He's a guy, mm-hmm. he, you know, he's got a career, or what is it, 360-something on base percentage. So, you know, he's going to get himself on base at the top of the lineup. He's got the power to make make pitchers pay if, if they miss their spots. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I mean, sure, he went 0 for 4, but, like, it's way too small of a sample. But, yeah, it's, it's one game you can't really make. You can't draw conclusions based off of one game four at that absolutely we're we're not even a month in the six-year contract <laughs> exactly but there is a trickle-down effect of of springer getting into the lineup right i mean obviously the big one is his roster spot was made available by sending rowdy telez to the alternate site now telez struggled to start he looked like he was starting to turn the corner swinging the bat a little bit better but i think with Springer having to DH for the time being, and really I don't think we're going to see him as an everyday center fielder for at least a week, right? He might get a start here or there. So with that, having to keep Jonathan Davis up as that depth outfielder, Rowdy was kind of the odd one out. Now, I'm sure we're going to see Rowdy again at some point this year, but, I mean, it's tough, especially for the Jays, the way this lineup is constructed. They need those left-handed bats to be productive, Biggio's slowly starting to come out of it. He's hitting the ball pretty well now. Uh, and Telez looked like he was going to break out of it, but now that's one less left-handed bat in the lineup. Yeah. Um, I didn't really get to see a whole lot of Rowdy Telez in the past uh, little while. I mean, but no, no, I, I we didn't really, was... nobody really got yeah. to see a lot of him, right? He was kind of, he was easily forgettable, I feel, through through his start to the season. You know, the offense really wasn't there for him. Uh he chased too many balls in the dirt, which he's been known to do. He struck out a lot, which he's been known to do. Um, he he's the power is a big part of his game, and he he couldn't even find the find the ball for the first part of the season. I I 
I can't even remember what his what his at bats hits for at bats were looking like. To be perfectly yeah. Honest so with you. so so far through 2021, he is 11 for 60, only the one home run, three runs batted in. Mm-hmm. Um, but I mean, when you're hitting 183, a 222, you know, on base percentage, and your OPS is hovering right around what Vladdy's on base percentage is. I mean that's that's tough, and and I like Rowdy, and I'm sure, like I said, we'll see him again at some point. Hopefully, yeah, uh, I hope to see him again. Hopefully, uh, he he gets an opportunity to work on some stuff and maybe get some at bats in the alternate site, and uh, and you know at the first opportunity make his way back to the big leagues. Um, now the outfield going forward, I mean, like we mentioned, probably a week, maybe two, until we really see Springer as the full-on everyday center fielder when we get to that point i mean randall gritchick's earned a spot in this lineup right he'll slot over he proved, he proved me wrong. yeah he proved proved me wrong as I well i didn't think he was gonna have a good season at I, all. I thought he was gonna be the odd one out i thought he probably was on the trade block but i wanted i, I wanted him to go yep to be perfectly yep. honest with and you. yet here we are and he's turned a corner he's looking good uh and i think Defensively, I do like him in right field. So, and I think I, I remember hearing on one of the broadcasts, uh, Hazel May saying she talked to him and he said that he actually feels his best defensive position is right field. So, if you slide him over, oh, yeah, if you that. slide him over, and then hey, Teoscar, well, Rowdy's not in the lineup or not in the roster anymore. Teoscar's going to have to DH more than he probably would like to. But even then, if you put him into left field. That leaves Gurriel as the odd one out. Gurriel. And yeah. I, I've seen nothing from Gurriel this year that would indicate he probably deserves to play over any of those other three. And I'm going to talk when we, when we get into about, and when we get into Vlad's start, I'm going to talk about like something that, you know, a coach that I've coached baseball with before talks about, and it's called everything's a strike till it's not. And mm-hmm. um, when we talk about Vlad with that, it, it's, it's going to highlight a positive um, way of handling that. Whereas, um, and I'll circle back to Gurriel at that point. Gurriel is is definitely not, doesn't have that approach right now uh, at, at the plate. So, I don't know. We'll see. He's got time to turn it around. I think the Blue Jays are willing to move guys around, right? They're willing to let Teoscar DH. They're going to be willing to let Springer DH. You know, they'll give a guy like uh, Gritchick a night off um, or even DH Gritchick. Mm-hmm. So I think the defensive versatility and being able to put BGO pretty much anywhere to fill in a spot is going to help them. But, man, I'd be worried if I was Gurriel right now. Yeah, I'm looking at Gurriel's stats right now. So he's got – so 191 average. He is 13 for 68. No home runs and five RBIs through – 19 games um i mean he's not hitting very well i mean not a whole lot of the jays are nope but um you know it's when when there's too many outfielders and there's too many spots and you you definitely got to take a look and see um there's only so much playing time is in that outfield right yeah exactly yeah now and uh Right now, I believe that Gurriel is the weakest link in this outfield. Yeah, I mean, well, I, I'm still putting Gurriel in the lineup over Davis, but, I mean, we know what Davis Absolutely. is, right? Like, Davis is a speed guy, come yeah. off the bench, defensive upgrade in late innings, 
and it, he know he oh, knows yeah. his role. Um, mm-hmm. Now, one player that we don't have to worry about getting playing time is Vladimir Guerrero Jr. Uh, if it wasn't for Byron Buxton doing something absolutely unheard of out in Minnesota, he, Guerrero is your AL Player of the Month. Uh, I mean, I I was expecting big things out of him. He just he, through his first two seasons, like you saw the flashes, but it just wasn't clicking all at once. And then obviously the weight loss, the dedication to getting in shape, refining his game in the off season, it it's working now. And I just I love his approach at the plate. Right, he's he's driving the ball up the middle. He's going up the middle. He's going to the opposite field, and then yeah. I think the biggest thing is he's taking his walks. He's eighth in the majors with a seventeen point two walk percentage. He's tied with Bryce Harper, and you know Harper's a guy that notoriously walks a lot, right? So it's great to yeah. see that. And not only that, his exit velocity is still in I think the ninety seventh percentile in the league. Let me just hop to baseball some more. Uh, 95th percentile for average exit velocity, 98th for max exit velocity. So he's still hitting the ball hard. His chase rate is dropping too. He's he chased 25%. His chase rate was 25% last year. So far dropped to 19%. And that's what I was saying. So uh, I'll, I'll give him credit. Uh, a guy that I've coached with uh, for multiple years, Mike Bird, he always preaches everything's a strike until it's not. And what that means is you, when you're in the box, it doesn't matter what the count is. doesn't matter what the situation is. doesn't matter who the pitcher is. You treat every pitch as if it's going to be a strike and you're ready to hit it. Right. And that means you might get a takes a take sign from your third base coach. Doesn't matter. You're still activating your lower body. You're activating your hands. You're getting ready to swing the bat. And Vlad's doing that. And it's something that Guriel's not. Now, quite a few of the Jays are not. Sometimes they're going up there, and it's almost like when the ball's out of the pitcher's hands, they've decided it's a ball, and then they just yeah. watch it. Either it, it, it might it might stay outside the zone, might drop in the zone, might cut into the zone, mm-hmm. but that's not Vlad right now. Vlad's engaged in every pitch. He's activating his lower body. He's activating his hands. He's ready to hit. And when you have that mindset as okay. I can hit any pitch that I see and I can take it right up the middle over the pitcher's head. That's how you hit 360. That's how you, you know, draw a ton of walks, have an on-base percentage of nearly 500. That's what Vlad's doing. It's that approach and it's that dedication to, you know, dedication's not even the right word. It's just the mindset that everything's a strike until it's not. Yeah, I'm I'm very thoroughly impressed with uh, Vlad Guerrero Jr. this season. He's finally, I think he's finally making the correct steps and has already made the correct steps into becoming the player that we all envisioned him becoming uh, when he came up. And uh, he had he had a little bit of a little bit of growing pains through 2019 and 2020, but uh, I definitely think he put in a lot of hard work over the off season, and um, it, it's clearly showing here. Yeah, and I've liked his defense at first base as well. I mean, it's not perfect, but yeah, I've definitely we've definitely been pointed out a couple things about his defense, you know, on broadcasts and whatever. But uh, I mean, it, I, his his first base yeah, defense is better than it was last year. That's for sure. Now I know he yeah, wanted yeah. to play more third, and he will get some opportunities. But man, if you can be literally a top ten hitter in the league, I don't 
like you shouldn't care what position you're playing. You're, you're a top ten hitter in the league, yeah. and that's what Vlad is right now. Like in, in pretty much every measurable metric, he is a top ten hitter in the league. Right um, now, to transition from hitting to pitching. Oh yeah. What a weird start for this Jays pitching staff, huh? Like, everyone expected it to be the weakness of the team, and here they are 20 games into the season leading the league in ERA+. You know, I, I hate to I hate to be negative. I hate to have a negative outlook on it, but uh, I really don't think something like this is honestly sustainable at all. I don't either. Um, I agree with you. It, it's fantastic to see, honestly. No Yates. There have been plenty of injuries to the Blue Jays pitching staff. I mean, they were they were without they were without three relievers for a few days. Like they were literally pulling guys off waivers and expecting them to pitch that day because they had no other options. And they were still and they still had the lowest bullpen ERA in the league. And I don't I don't know. I mean, I know overall right now they're fourth. I I don't have the bullpen numbers off the top of my head, but like that's pretty crazy when you're dealing with those injuries and just plucking guys off the street essentially, and still maintaining <laughs> near league best yeah. numbers. Yeah, and it's 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 pain. It pains me to say this, but uh, Hyunjin Ryu did go on the ten day IL today. I mean, he's he's gonna he's gonna miss one start. I. Yeah, he starts every six days. He wants that extra day. Mm-hmm. It's working for him. So. Yeah, and one he'll miss the one start. I, I mean, I know before we started recording this episode, we, we were talking about the pitching, and then we both kind of agreed, yeah, like doesn't seem sustainable. They're essentially right at league average when it comes to FIP, which is weird because yeah. considering that the, the mindset around the Jays, and we're going to talk about this next, is that the defense hasn't been very good. You would expect an ERA around league average and a FIP closer to the top of the league, but that's just not the case. And when you break it down a little bit, it's like, okay, well, they're right near the top of the league for fewest walks allowed, but they're also like down near the bottom of the league in strikeouts, which means that this lineup, or sorry, this pitching staff is getting outs, they're preventing runs, and they're doing it without striking guys out, which I'm actually totally for. I, I'm... I love seeing strikeouts, but I do love pitchers who are able to pitch to contact, you know, get weak co- and force weak contact, and that's what the Jays are doing right now. You see it out of Ryu all the time. Taking the uh, taking the Mark Burley approach to it. Exactly right, and um, now we'll see. I mean, the way the league is trending, you you need a pitching staff to strike out guys to win games. Maybe they'll break that trend, right? And I, I kind of hope they do. I hope they can find a way to at least stay above average when it comes to ERA plus throughout the season, and do so while being below average in strikeouts. Because I think, I think that goes to show that you know there are other ways that you can assemble a pitching staff without just finding a guy to throw a hundred and and strike out two thirds of the batters he faces and walk the other one third, right? And right now they're not giving up walks. They're keeping runners off the bases, and because of that, when they do give up a, a base hit or they give up a double or they give up a home run, it's a solo home run. They're not letting teams do a lot of damage because there's no free base runners at this point, and that's a good thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, especially um, I hope to see more strikeouts in the uh, Blue Jays pitching staff, especially when someone like uh, Nate Pearson hopefully uh, – m- 
progresses in uh, trying to return from his uh, groin injury. Uh, He's going to be, he threw three to four innings today. Um, He threw last weekend. Um, You know, I'm just hoping to see him back as soon as possible. So uh, hopefully his first like real 162 game season or a non-shortened season, hopefully uh, goes a little bit better and, um, Hopefully he can help the Blue Jays pitching staff and make it more sustainable. Exactly um, as yeah. the season progresses. Yeah, and and like you mentioned, he he's a strikeout guy. When he's in that rotation, you know he's going to strike guys out. Uh, but we'll see. Like there's there's a lot of ways that it can go. Mats didn't look good last night, um, but he's been he's been great up until that point. Obviously Ryu. Yeah, we'll we'll have to see him next time. Yeah, right? obviously Ryu is one of the top guys in the AL. Uh, Robbie Ray's looked, when Robbie Ray's been good, he's looked really good, and he's been shaky at times, but finding ways to work out of trouble. I, I think the, the staff is good enough where I, at this point, I, I don't think it's a concern. I think you can look at this Blue Jays team and say, well, if they're going to have to make a trade or try and find a free agent, you know, maybe to fill the, the, da- uh, the, the depth gaps, it's not going to be on the pitching staff and that's something that i think not many people expected coming into the season yeah i'm also uh, getting a good chance to look at anthony castro's stats i haven't seen much of him since his uh, first time out and uh seven and one third scoreless nine strikeouts and there's there's definitely looking good for someone they just grabbed yeah, there's the waiver the, guy right I, I can't remember. yeah and and came off waivers from detroit too it's not like it's not that's like right, it's yeah. not like he's you know a a the odd man out for the LA Dodgers, right? And and you know what? I think right now, Pete Walker deserves a ton of credit for the work he's yeah, doing yeah, with his pitching absolutely. staff. Now we're going to transition out from the mound, and we're going to focus on the infield because, as we mentioned, it, it, anecdotally, the defense seems like it's been bad. It's still kind of too early to tell how, how it's going to look as far as numbers go. But when you compare the Jays' league-leading ERA plus to their league-average FIP, you would kind of come to reckon that the defense maybe isn't a problem. That being said, um, I think Biggio is not a fit at third base, and Bichette, I am fully on board with him maybe moving to second base. So Yeah, I also wanted to touch on that yeah, too. So, I mean, the good thing with Biggio is he can play anywhere. I, I think he's a he. They've got him out in the outfield right now, and I think that's good. So that then when they transition him back to the infield, maybe they can put him at second base for a few games. Obviously, that's his primary position. I'm not too worried about him at third. Um, yeah. I, Bichette, though, I I get worried, right? Like I see him at yes, the fairs already. Yeah, I, and I see him at 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 short, and it's just like his arm is letting him down. Yeah, it, he's not he's not exactly. accurate, and and his arm strength on some of these balls, like his range is great. He's getting to a lot of balls out there, but he can't get it over to first. And yeah, I I've definitely noticed a couple throws are short or wide or what. Like Vladdy's bailed him out have... a few times. Yeah, but and then I looked at, I looked at his numbers. So Bichette's ranked thirty second in the league and outs above average for, for shortstops. He's at minus six. Mm-hmm. The guys around him are all offensively minded shortstops, right? He's Didi Gregorius, Eugenio Suarez, Xander Bogarts. Like, it, it's not like 
his defense is detrimentally bad because we know what he can do at the plate. But I think that if he wants to be in that like upper echelon, like it, he's not Francisco Lindor, he's not Trevor Story, you know, he he's not, he, and and I don't know if he can get there at shortstop. Now, mm-hmm. I would be fully on board moving him to second, seeing what he can do there because he can still utilize his range. I, like when you when you shift three quarters of the batters you face, you're moving around all over the place anyways. But at least cutting down that throw a little bit, I think can give Bichette the opportunity to step up into that elite defender status. And sure, okay, being elite at second base is not the same as being elite at shortstop. But I think it's worthwhile, especially when you look at, you know, some of these top prospects the Jays have and in Groshans and Martin, who you know, Martin could end up being an outfielder or a third baseman, but, you know, there's options at shortstop in the future, right? Yeah, and uh, also Miguel Geraldo as well. He's definitely also a prospect sure. to yeah. take note of, even though he's not not quite up there with uh, Groshans and Martin. He's still there. Yeah, and, and in the short term, you have Simeon, who Simeon's not, uh, he's not going to win the gold glove at shortstop, yeah. but I would feel more comfortable with him there and Bichette at second than I do right now. And it's like, look, you're you're not a young rebuilding team anymore. You can't just toss Bichette at, at short and Biggio at third and say, just learn as you go. And I know Bichette's not learning as he goes. That's his position. But it's like, yeah. if you can move him to second and his defense improves, like, why would you not? Yeah. Right? It's all about winning games right now. This team is entering their yeah. window. Yeah, this, this, these are the tough decisions that you kind of have to make um, because, yeah, obviously, the re, like you said, the rebuilding phase is over. The time for experimentation is over. Uh, you need to figure out what works and where guys are best in order to win as many games as you can, especially in a division like the AL East. Exactly, and you saw them do that even last year when they're like, okay, Vladdy, you're a first baseman for us now. If, if yeah. you're going to move Vlad... To, from third to first because he's a better fit there. When do you start thinking about that for Bichette, right? Yeah. Time will tell. All right. Yeah. But uh, it's not looking good right no, now. No, but but then again, it, it doesn't seem to really be hurting the pitching staff too much, at least early on. All right. Uh, it's tough. We'll, we'll have to see later on in the season, to be for honest. For sure. The last topic that we want to cover here today um, – this one has been bothering me. The Blue Jays are not walking enough. Now, I, for one, I'm all for playing small ball. You know, I'm for slapping base hits the other way. I'm for hit, for stealing bases, hitting and running. But I understand that, you know, baseball has gone to the three true outcomes. Strikeouts, walks, home runs. That's the way it is. The Jays are not striking out too much. I think they, they were... They were in. They were at the beginning. They were at the beginning, but that's they've cleaned it up. They're right in the middle of the pack. Yeah. Um, but they do rely on the home run. If you're a team that relies on the home run, you need guys on base, right? This for the same reason that we talked about why their pitching staff is, you know, is leading the league in ERA plus. It's because if they're giving up home runs, they're giving up solo home runs because they're not walking guys. And when you're not walking guys, there's no one on base to score runs. The Blue Jays are not walking themselves. They're hitting too many solo home runs. They're hitting too many two-run home runs. Yep. 
And then, you know, when you do come through with a base hit or a double, it, it, I, I was hearing all through spring training about, oh, how Charlie Montoya wants to be more aggressive on the base paths, more stolen bases, more hitting and running. They haven't done it. They don't get guys in scoring position. And I think the reason, the reason Montoya is maybe not, you know, running as much as he might want to is because they're not getting enough base runners. Right, like when you when you go three up, three down so often, and then you finally get a guy on, you know, it's not like you can take the risks of of trying to swipe a bag because you don't know when your next base runner is coming. So, mm-hmm. you know, my point here is, good teams walk, bad teams don't. If you look at the walks per game in the league, the league leaders are the LA Dodgers. They walk almost five times per game, which is crazy. Like the gap between them and like tenth is like almost two walks per game. It's nuts. San Diego Padres, they're at 4.1-ish walks per game. And I know their record isn't great right now, but we know what kind of offense that team can provide. The Oakland A's, they walk over three and a half times a game. They're eighth in the league uh, in walk rate. And uh, obviously off to a great start, had that big winning streak. You look at the bottom of the league. The Detroit Tigers walk... Just over two and a half times a game, they're 29th. Colorado right ahead of them at 28th with 2.57 walks per game. The Jays are at 2.95. That's 21st in the league. You don't want to be closer to the Colorados and the Detroits than the Oaklands and the LAs. And that's where the Jays are right now. So they need to find a way to turn it around. Because besides Biggio and Vlad, nobody's walking. Nobody else. I'm looking at their stats right now. Yeah, nobody is walking. I mean, Simeon and Gritchick, I like kind of, but it, it really falls off after that. Yeah, and that like you got, and that's the problem. Like if uh, if if you're going to play three true true outcomes baseball, I, I understand that you know walking more than you strike out is very rare now, and mm-hmm. Vlad probably won't sustain that. But like, come on, you can't be doubling or tripling your walks with your strikeouts, and. If, if that's going to happen, then this team's not going to make the playoffs. Like, you cannot, you cannot rely on home runs and not have guys on base. And an easy way to get guys on base is take your walks when, they get, when, when the pitchers give it to you. Yeah. Yeah, so anything else you want to touch on, Zane? Or can we, you know, wrap um, it up here? Maybe keep it a little bit shorter for episode one. Okay, so obviously the division-leading Boston Red Sox, as you all expected... Uh, 16 and nine right now. I, I don't really know. I, I, I don't know. I don't even know what to expect out of the AL East anymore. It's really like any, like four out of the five teams can really take this thing, to be honest with you. Uh, you know, Boston's kind of proving that they can still hang in this division. Um, obviously it's very, very early and it's kind of, it, it's too early to predict these things, but I think it's okay to, I think it's okay to speculate you know, kind of, kind of see and kind of discuss what, what could possibly happen. And I mean, oh, I, I look at Boston, nice train of thought there. You know what though? I, I think we can, we can touch on this. Cause I look at Boston and I'm thinking, well, okay, their record looks good. Now their pitching has been pretty good to start the year, but they're walking even less than the blue Jays are. So mm-hmm. if, you know, my point stays true to the Jays and it's like, well, you can't be a playoff team if, you're going to be in the bottom third in the league and in, in walks while, you know, you rely on 
on home runs, right? Like if if the Jays had like four guys hitting three hundred and you know playing small ball, bunting guys around, like okay, sure, that's different. But like nobody plays like that right now. Um, mm-hmm. So if if the Jays and the Red Sox are in that same boat and they're not getting guys on, they're not walking. We'll see. Well, like, and, and, and it's definitely something I want to look at as the season progresses, right? Like, take a look at these teams that are, are walk, not walking at a rate um, above league average and, and see what their records look like halfway through the season and at the end of the season, right? Yeah. I, I, yeah. When I look at the AL East, I'm waiting for the Yankees to break out of it because I feel like they, they have to. Um Tampa Bay is going to do their thing. Doesn't matter how many guys they lose, they're still going to be competitive. Uh, so then it really comes down to if the Jays want to win this division, can they catch Boston? And when will Boston start to stumble? And yeah. you know it, it's super early still, but once you kind of hit May, you know, or sorry, I should not May. Once you hit June, things usually are, have shaped up, and and you have enough of a sample size to really make some assessments. So this next yeah. month is big, and we're going to see what happens. Toronto's schedule has yeah. been pretty difficult yeah. so far. They've had a fairly top-heavy schedule, right? Yeah. At, at at this point of the season, you know, considering how early it is, we're we're really at a stalemate when it comes to the AL East and quite a few other divisions across the MLB. Um, at this point, it, it honestly could be whichever team is going to break out first and sort of start to break away from the rest of the pack and, you know, start really piling up some wins and and start gaining some momentum because other than Boston, nobody in the division really has momentum. Mm -hmm. It's really going back and forth in terms of the amount of wins and losses a team has. Yeah. Nobody's really, nobody's really winning and nobody's really losing it. We're at a total, we're at a stalemate right now. Yeah. And, you know, Boston can, obviously Boston has pulled away a little bit, but it's, it's early. They can be caught easily. Mm-hmm. And, and I think when you see, you know, like when Oakland rat rattled off, what did they get to 12 or 13 in a row? 11. I think they got to 13. They got 13. I think it was 13. What, the first, the first team in the AL East yeah. to rattle off a double digit win streak. I mean, they'll end up in first place and that's how you start pulling away. Right. Like it, it, mm-hmm. again, a little too early. But I look at Boston and I see I see many similarities, right? Pitching that's been better than expected, is that sustainable? Offenses that, now Boston's scoring more runs than the Jays are, but they're walking even less. So we'll see where that levels out, but I think both teams kind of have similar issues. And that's, uh, are we going to be able to score runs if we don't get guys on base? And our, our pitching staffs, which are, young inexperienced or unproven even uh are they going to be able to maintain the levels that they're pitching at so it should be good i i would not be shocked if it's if it's toronto boston that start battling for that top spot would also wouldn't i would also not be surprised if the jays kind of sit in third or fourth the whole year boston plummets and then all of a sudden it's the yays and rank the rays and yankees getting hot like it's it's totally possible yeah I, I feel like I feel like the Jays can kind of start to rattle off some wins in this division if if the offense honestly gets going in a division such as this. Yeah, and, and um, getting Springer back I, and then getting Teoscar back soon, that should help for sure. Yeah, because, yeah, they're pitching well, but 
they're 11 and 12. So I'm almost kind of, it's almost kind of a sense of wanting the pitching to fall back to earth, obviously not too much, but just a little bit. And, you know, the offense to sort of get its stride back and hopefully you know, mm-hmm. the bat can start uh, doing their thing and uh, the pitching and the pitching staff can uh, hold, hold off their opponents. Absolutely. I mean, the way this team is built, I would trade, you know, I would trade some pitching regression for the offense to to click at the level that, that, that they're at. That's how this team is built, right? 100%. And, yeah. So, um. If they have to sacrifice a little bit of a little bit of pitching for some offense, and if their offense is proven, you know, by June or July that uh, they can hang in this division, and they are, they have an offense that's capable of winning the division. Um, who knows? Who knows? I'm not gonna I'm not gonna say anything. I'm not gonna get anybody's hopes up. But you know, I wanted to pose that question for sure. All right, I think that's a good place to end it here. Uh, thank you for listening to the first episode of Skydome Sit Down. Uh, you know we're gonna try and keep this fairly regular. Uh, you know, get an episode out every week or two at least for now, and we'll we'll see how it goes. Please, please, please do not hesitate to reach out. Uh, we're on Twitter at Skydome Sit Down. Uh, I am at it's Jacoby twenty uh, seven. Zane is at Zane Bartlett. Uh, we'd love to uh, hear. From- yeah, mine's real original. <laughs> we'd love to hear from you uh, if you have any feedback. If you have any, uh, you know, any responses to anything that we've posed or talked about, uh, you can definitely hit us up on Twitter and keep that conversation going. Yeah. Thanks to uh, everybody who decided to listen, and uh, we hope to see you again uh, next time. And uh, hope you enjoyed. And uh, if you have any suggestions, feel free to shoot them our way on Twitter. <laughs>